Welcome back to the Get a Cue podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm pleased to be joined today for our 40th episode uh, in the 40th anniversary year of MassQ by Savvy Demers. Savvy is the executive director of MassQ, uh, recently taking over in July. Savvy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Brandon. I'm so excited. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey in getting here. I mean, we've uh, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind, I'm sure. Um, the last few months, you were uh, up until June, you were a classroom teacher in Boston, and now you're executive director of MassQ. Yeah, it's been a whirlwind is a great way to describe it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm originally from Maine, um, started in the uh, inaugural class of the one-to-one laptop program um, in uh, in middle school. And so technology kind of just followed me everywhere. Um, I moved down to MassQ, uh, or to Massachusetts. Oh my goodness, I got MassQ on the brain. Um, I moved down to Massachusetts uh, in 2013 and uh ended up just uh, getting hired as a classroom teacher because I had one-to-one laptop experience from not only my education, but also my student teaching. So um, obviously MassQ was was an organization that I found pretty immediately once moving here. And um, EdTech has kind of followed me all throughout my career. I can't imagine what it would have been like for Brandon Hall, middle school student, to be given a laptop uh, and been like, okay, here you go. Um, what was that experience like? It, it's so funny because I, I've only recently kind of been reflecting on how it was as a student to have a laptop. Um, I remember uh, my first year at my first year as a teacher, um, a lot of teachers being like, how do I like keep, you know, the kids are just going to all these websites. And I was like, oh man, I never even thought about like the fact that that would be a problem just because it like has been a part of my experience for so long. Like, you know, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. I, I think one of the things I remember most is in high school, like making bibliographies be, was so much easier because like <laughs> we had access to these laptops. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of a whirlwind and, and something that's uh, just really been attached to my life. So you started with that in middle school and then in moving on to high school, you go off to college and you study Science. I'm a take. I I experience. I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was a physics major and a math and business double minor, um, at Colby College. Okay. All right. So, so at Colby, you're studying. You're studying that, and you find your way down to Massachusetts by way of the Museum of Science. Yeah. Um, with a brief pit stop at the University of Maine to get my master's, um, in uh, science education. Okay, so as a science educator, you end up at the Museum of Science. Now, I would imagine that that would be like working at Disney World for people. It was nerdvana. That's what we called it. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> like every person who works there is the coolest, nerdiest person you've ever met in your whole life. It, it was just a, a joy. Um, and, um, and then my student loans came due. <laughs> <laughs> but like working there, and I told you there would be no gotcha questions, so I apologize for this. What was like the one thing that you saw there that you were like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm in the presence of X? Oh my gosh. Um, so someone I worked with literally had a PhD in lightning. Um, oh, wow. And one of my crowning achievements was uh, working with him to build a new Tesla coil, oh, cool. um, which are those singing things in yeah. the theater of electricity. Yeah, it was, it, it was, it was just bliss. Like it was, I still can't believe it happened. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so cool. 
Um, and then from there, you become a physics teacher. Yeah. So went back to my roots. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my whole family, I am come from a family of educators. Um, and so while I tried to, tried to avoid becoming a classroom teacher, it, it's just in my, in my genetics. So that's where I ended up. So you start out, so you're in, you're in a physics classroom and physics and technology really go hand in hand with so much, um, uh, what, oh yeah. What were some of the? You know, I know there's a lot of programs out there. What were some of your favorites to work with uh, as a physics teacher? Oh my gosh. Well, um, you know, at, at the base level, like I'm, I'm, I'm a Google person through and mm. through, and so um, just being able to like help kids, uh, help kids understand graphing um, at a level where you can start um, at a spreadsheet. And know what uh, it's so much easier to visualize what numbers are going to become if you're able to figure out how to graph them yourself. Um, so that was something I was really passionate about. Um, but I mean, the the OG, the the number one for me is the the FET simulations out of the University of Colorado at Boulder. They're just they're just incredible with their you know their whole equity message uh, along with you know making sure that that these lab experiences are accessible to anybody um, who wants to utilize them, I think is something I'm really passionate about. I, um, I, I've referred to it in the past as the throwing a refrigerator off the roof effect, where we can't really throw a refrigerator off the roof. It might be too expensive. We might not have a roof the right height. We might not be able to calculate it with the right tools. But if we use the FET simulations, then we can do that. Um, and so... I really like that opportunity. That's, that's really cool. So I, I know in our school, we've had um, some different products that we've used with our physics classes. Um, and unlike FET, they either go out of support or, you know, they, they, the, the product no longer works with the new, new devices we have. Um, so you really you don't have that happen with things like FET, which is super cool. And it's really cool because, like, you know, I, I love my... <laughs> I love me a Pasco, you know, every day of the week. Um, the, but the only problem is exactly what you said. Yeah. You know, uh, you uh, now there's the new Bluetooth Pasco, or now you can use it like you can only use the new ones if you have a certain level of of thing. And instead, um, these free apps like FET um, end up actually evolving with with time. So you know, FET has made a commitment to make sure that they're all HTML. Um, and while there's no substitute for, you know, like really cool Pasco equipment that you can do like really extensive labs on, it's nice to have access to this more equitable software. Yeah. And equity is definitely the right word because I think about like with our school, we have some of that Pasco software that we can no longer or, or hardware that we can no longer use because it was USB and it plugged into the computer and you, you got your readings. But now they've moved to Bluetooth and all of a sudden we're stuck with a box of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's equity in a nutshell, right? And you, you can use yep. those open equity, open educational resources. Um, I, I was a history teacher. You know, we think about things that are out there for open educational resources in history. It's they're, they're mind blowing the amount of yeah. that the internet was made for it really. Um, so, so you make a career shift here from physics teacher in Boston to mass Q executive director. That's a jump. It is. <laughs> That's a change. That's a career path. Like you're in education and then you kind of, you, you're driving along down the road in education. You swerve over a little bit. Next thing you know, you're off the exit. How did, so how did that come about? Great question. It is a, it is a huge career shift for sure. Um, I, I got to the point, I, I, you know, I'd been in education for about a decade. Um, and I, I realized that 
all of the the red tape and bureaucracy was really wearing me down. Um, and you know, as as all teachers do, as all educators do, I had been learning all of these tools. I'd been gaining all of these tools for my toolbox as an educator. Um, that I was I was filling up this toolbox, um, but I felt like I wasn't actually able to use any of the tools because this this red tape was preventing me um, from being able to do so. Um, and so um, I kind of got to the point, you know, you know, my administrators, um, I, I had many administrators who who were wonderful, um, but they kept giving me the same feedback, which was just close your door and teach, just close your door and teach. Um, and it just didn't sit right with me. It just, uh, it, it wasn't what I needed in that moment. Um, and so um, I, I made the decision to leave the classroom to try and find a space where I could affect more change. My toolbox is full of mostly equity tools. Um, you know, as a white woman who was teaching mostly black and brown children, um, that was what my toolbox was full of. Um, but outside of my classroom, I really wasn't able to to affect any change. So when the when this job posting went up, I just I couldn't believe it. I was so excited at the opportunity to even apply. Um, and then you know, meeting the meeting the members of the board on the on the search committee, it was. It was just, it was just so, it just brought me so much joy. Uh, it just felt like I had found, I had found a place where I could use my tools to affect change, which is something that I'd been, I'd been really craving for the past couple of years. Yeah. And it's interesting that uh, as someone who was aware of MassQ as a teacher, that you end up becoming the executive director after sort of a, a search that would have encompassed sort of a nationwide search, I would imagine. Um, yeah. To, to have it be a mass, uh, someone from Massachusetts. Yeah, and you know it's it's funny because because one of the biggest conversations we had and we continue to have um, is this focus on equity. To bring that back from our conversation around around software and hardware, um, I, when I started talking to the search committee about what they were looking for, one of the things that they were saying was that that this amazing little organization had uh, had created such incredible programming under the previous executive director Shelley Chamberlain who has since retired to spend more time with her her grandchildren um, which is incredible and so uh, so happy she gets to spend that time with them and that she still spends time with us she is still very much a part of our organization which is incredible we're so grateful um, and one of the things that they had said was that we just want to get this programming out to more people. We just want more people to access these incredible things that they had created. Um, this community of teachers, this community of administrators, of tech directors, of librarians that had all come together in with a focus on ed tech. Um, and so I really think when we started talking about equity um, and my background, not only in in one-to-one, -one, but also then my background in equity, um, and then with this tiny other component, when I was um when I was my first three years teaching, I taught um, in uh, wealthy uh, suburban districts with predominantly white students, um, and I went to MassQ every year. Every year I went to MassQ, I got all the free swag. I won a 3D printer. So I cool. like I was <laughs> oh yeah, it was so cool. I was like peak MassQ like fall conference attendee, right? I did all the professional development. I got Google certified through MassQ, like mm -hmm. all of it. And then I went to Boston. And not only did my students not have laptops, um, but my administrators be 
just didn't understand the value behind um, this kind of a conference. They were like, why are you going to a tech conference if we don't have tech, right? Um, and so the messaging was, if you have tech, come to mask you, mm. right? Um, and what the shift we're looking for now is everybody should come to mask you because yeah. this is a place for everybody. It doesn't matter if you need tech, come here and we'll find a way to get you tech. If you need professional development, we will find a way to get you professional development. Whatever the thing is, um, you should come here. And and so it was really uh, out of my my like missing mask you, like I missed I missed this place. And so to be back and now to get to the opportunity to bring other people in is really exciting. Yeah, definitely. And and I would imagine that the transition with you know with working with Shelly and working with the board where Shelly and, and the board had worked so so well hand in glove. Um, how's that transition been? What's that been like? It's been awesome. Um, our board is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, Shelly created this this great i mean she built this place do you know she she built this foundation um and so we have such a solid foundation to grow from mm -hmm. um and so now our board is ready and at the place where we really want to push this message out um and so we have a board right now that's just so ready for for innovation um, and that's, that's been, that's been so exciting. So it's, it's been great to both work with Shelly and, and learn the ropes of, of, you know, how this foundation was built and then to be able to push forward to, to build something new with this, with this board. Yeah. And, and, and we talked a little earlier about education sort of at a crossroads right now Yeah, that, that you know, everybody's got tech, what do we do with it? Or you know, everybody's got tech, but is it equitable what people have access to? Is it equitable the the kinds and speed of internet that people have? Um, things like the homework gap are now real conversations that need to happen as opposed to like these school districts over here have computers and all the kids, you know, go home to a computer and, a, and an internet connection that's really strong and, you know, a parent that's home all the time, whereas other kids are not getting that same experience. Um, where where does MassQ fit in in that sort of crossroads for education? That's a great question. You know, um, we have been seeing that a lot of um, our professional development that historically was wildly well attended with with very little um, lift on our end, just because of that. You know, that incredible foundation that we we have and and the the network of of educators that we built, um, and we're seeing really low participation in in those types of professional developments. Um, and we're really um, taking a deep look at what that is, because you're absolutely right. Um, we are at a crossroads, and, but all of education is at mm. a crossroads. And that's why and that's why I'm so excited about the board that we have right now. And because they're so ready and willing to talk about what that means for MassCU. So for example, um, traditionally, MassCU has focused most of our programming on the eastern side of the state. Um, and part of that reason was I, I learned recently that there are literal districts in Western Mass that do not have the infrastructure for internet. Like it's not a can we get internet to like or or like it's not like a you know a just a a money issue or an access issue or a, a something you know we just need 
Verizon to go out there and like figure it out. It's it's a literal infrastructure issue. Um, and so uh, as MassQ, you know, what we're looking for when we think about equity, when we think about giving access of our programming to people who traditionally have not had access to our programming, we're thinking about things like that. We're thinking about what does it look like for MassQ to advocate for an infrastructure bill in the state Senate to make sure that these schools have access to internet? Mm -hmm. What is our role in that? Um, what does it look like for us to, um, you know, a, a lot of schools that previously did not have laptops have different laptops than schools that have had laptops for a really long time. Mm -hmm. You know, we're talking about the difference between a MacBook Pro and a Chromebook. Yep. And is MassQ providing programming for both, right? Are we making sure to differentiate our programming just like our educators are differentiating their teaching? Um, are we differentiating to make sure that we can make our programming accessible to everybody? Yeah, and I know one of the things that... Um that the influence and advocacy committee was working on prior to the pandemic was, you know, internet costs and internet speed. Um, and I had reached out to our state rep here in Pembroke, uh, Josh Cutler, who, who has been awesome for education um, and spoke with, with Mr. Cutler about internet costs and internet speed and said, why is it that Pembroke pays X dollars for X speed of internet where the next town over is paying a wildly different amount from a different company. Why isn't this standardized in, in the same way that electricity is standardized? Why, why are schools having to fend for themselves? Why can't the state step in and say, hey, here's something that we can do to make it a level playing field for every district so that everybody starts out at the same point, um, that some districts have incredible internet access and incredible internet speed, and they're paying lower lower rates because they were able to negotiate some deal. Maybe someone, you know, got in there and knew somebody, or has, you know, they got the one. One of the things I know Karen Winsper is a big advocate for, and Colleen Terrell are big advocates for our um, cybersecurity infrastructure, and that having the federal government and the state governments include that sort of thing as part of school funding. So we're we're right on the right track here. We're definitely on the right track. Absolutely. And I, I mean, our, our influence and advocacy committee is just, they're incredible. Like, you know, oh, oh, well, all of our committees are, are working so hard, but I, I just, I mean, hearing about their experience that, you know, they went to Washington DC mm. last year, you know, this, this past year to, to meet with some of our reps, um, to talk about this issue. Like that's the kind of thing where that's, that's new for us. That's new for MassQ, um, is, is this advocacy piece? What does it look like you know, for us to be, um, as a nonprofit organization, talking to government about that issue, about, um, you know, issues of internet access um, and, and you know, tool access and, and all of this stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an exciting future we've got ahead. Yeah, it's, and it's really important for an organization as large as MassQ to be able to have a voice in, in, in the government and be able to say, hey, this is where, you know, we're the experts in this field. Here's our, here's, here's what we're seeing now, how can the government meet us in this place? Uh, especially Absolutely. As a nonprofit, yeah. Absolutely. And it's about creating relationships. And we're we're really proud of um, you know, a lot of the relationships we've created. Um, you know, we're we're working with the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education and their ed tech department as which well. Is, which is um, new. That's brand new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've been um we're just very proud to um 
to, you know, be working with them um, and, and, and talking with them about, about, about how we can, in, we can advocate in, in that sphere as, as well. So, you know, it's, it's multifaceted, but um, it's about creating those relationships. Um, and you're right. You know, we are the experts um, because of our membership, because of our board, because of our committees. Mm-hmm. Um, and so continuing that and, and pushing those ideas forward is, is wildly important. Yeah. And I can put my U.S. history and social studies teacher hat back on for a second. Like being able to advocate with the government as the expert, you know, being an interest group and saying, hey, listen, you've got other groups doing other things, advocating with the government, we need to be in there too, right? We have a seat at the table. We should have a seat at the table in the same way that telecommunications giants do and, you know, uh, energy giants do and financial giants do. Here we are, education, like we're sort of the little engine that could all the time, but listen, here's what we've got and you got to listen. Um, what are some of the the short-term and long-term goals for MassQ for you as executive director going forward? Great question. Um, right now, the shortest term goal is that we've got the fall conference <laughs> coming up on October 19th and 20th. We are back at Gillette for our 40th anniversary after, you know, a little pandemic hiatus. So um, we are so excited to see everybody in person to get back to our incredible programming, back to our incredible vendors and our corporate partners, um, all of the sponsors that we have that are going to provide um just some incredible programming for our our educators who are coming to this event. Um, so short term, that's where that's where we're all hands on deck right now. Um, registration is open, and we're just seeing those numbers come in, and we're just so excited. Um, so a lot a lot of stuff around that. Um, but then um, more long term, it's it's really looking at our equity and accessibility. Um, both at our fall conference and in our programming. Um, one of the things we've been seeing is a lot of districts as well as you know individual educators are looking for a more a, a more individualized approach to professional development. Um, and so you know we have this amazing program called Mass Q for you where we um, partner with a district uh, to create, the professional development for them, for their district around ed tech. Um, and so we actually just applied for a, a large grant uh, from the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education um, to hopefully be able to provide that for free to um, some districts in need. Um, but we also want to provide that to to other districts in, you know, in our networks um, and really just expand that program Um while also looking at who has not participated in MassQ before and why. So we have a a massive survey going out to both members and non-members to ask what they're looking for in terms of EdTech PD moving forward, um, because we, we really have to find out from our constituents what they want um, and then figure out how we can do that better. Um, and then lastly, in terms of long-term goals, we're really looking to do an equity audit um, to look at w- the, way, the way that I, I always look at it is before you can get your grades up, you have to get your report card. Um, and so an equity audit would give us this report card to kind of, I want to dig into our bylaws. I want to dig into our our 
you know, our roles for our committees and our roles for our board members and, and really, and for our staff, we have an incredible staff, um, and really see where, where are the little areas that, that we're inequitable that maybe we don't even see right now, um, so that we can move forward, um, towards a more equitable future. Yeah. And that, that's gotta be interesting work to, to get a deep dive into something with fresh eyes because you, you know, coming in, um, the people that have been here say, you know, these these are the sort of things that we do. And uh, Maskew's always been really open to change. Uh, it's got to be pretty cool to go in and say, like, OK, let's really dig in and see what we've got here. It's been incredible. And and just like you said, like the whole organization has is always so like ready for the next thing. I think when you're with a group of like technology people in education in general those are like kind of the forward thinkers the mm. the the what's next kind of people um so equity just fits so beautifully into that arena um and yeah it's it's been awesome i i i'm so excited to to you know push our equity message forward um our whole board is all on board with the with the equity um and we're hoping to launch um our equity campaign in january of 2023 that's exciting uh and, and i would imagine that now as executive director a lot of that red tape that you saw in the classroom goes away because you're you kind of you know as as you're able to with the board lead the charge for an organization yes um i am so thankful to be able to um to sharpen those tools that are in my toolbox so um I, it is it has just been an, an incredible Oh my gosh! Over two months at this point, um, it's it's just been such a wild ride, um, and we're so ready to to move forward together. Yeah, and uh, in just a couple of weeks, the 40th annual MassQ conference, uh, fall conference at Gillette Stadium. I know I can't wait. We've got a. I was just working on my list of staff members that we're planning on on registering and getting that taken care of. We're we're all very excited here out in the field too. Amazing. Yes, yeah. we're we're so excited. Um, I know that um, that's one thing that since since we have that little pandemic hiatus, everybody forgot. Oh shoot, we got to register for Maskew. So <laughs> you're not alone in that. But yeah. um, but I'm hoping that everybody will be able to to send their their usual suspects and maybe a couple of more. Yeah. No, we're really excited about that. Where savvy? Where can people find you online? Um, you can find me um on on all all platforms um twitter instagram um i also have a tiktok it's not up to date but um but then also always um if you're a member or non-member of any questions um feel free to email sdemers at maskew.org um and i'd love to connect savvy demers thanks so much for coming on the podcast our new executive director maskew uh looking thanks forward so to seeing much. looking forward to seeing you in person can't wait thanks yeah. brandon no problem You've been listening to the Get a Q podcast by MassQ, here to educate, connect, and inspire.